0: Thank mm-hmm. This is KJ Shepard, author, a tour, analyst, AARP spokeswoman, recently I've become acutely aware that there are simply too many programs about things I don't like. I'm awash in shit I hate, shit that is just shit about shit, 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 shit. I'm not necessarily a painfully positive person per se but I think it's absolutely paramount to be surrounded with things you care about, to be abound in things you love. I love letters. When I was a child, all of the letters had a distinct color and taste and tone. They still do. Sometimes words are aurally aggressive or aromatically alluring. Everyone likes to think that the letter A is red. Red is the ant who has made his way onto my coffee handle just now. But that's absurd. Only people lucky enough to have refrigerator magnets as a child would think A is red. No. A is blue. Not azure, as is the color of the letter M, nor the murky Aegean aqua, only befitting the unknowable schwa. No. A is blue. Blue, blue. Architecture in Iran, blue. Derek Jarman's blue, blue. Joni Mitchell's blue, blue. Eve Klein, blue. Knockoff Mondrian, blue. Grover the Monster, blue. Bear in the big blue house blue. blue daboo dee die blue. A, at once earnest yet unknowable, aching to achieve like its major chords an open diary with half of the pages in another language. A, the vague indirect gesture. A man. A dress. A woman. A dog. A bowl of spaghetti, a carton of discount cigarettes, an ambiguous act, like a boyfriend motioning you to keep left as he tells you to turn right, ambivalent and the dexterous, ACDC like an assuredly chaotic bisexual. A smells like lemon posset and tastes like a floral gin, slightly astringent but not antiseptic. It could be an aviation, airy but acidic if you like cocktails that were big a decade ago. A is a go, a go-go, a ghast, an afghan, hound on an afghan rug, listening to the afghan wigs, calling them average and adolescent, aerated, alluvial soil, aiding my april albums and aubergines and aubriettas. A is not always A, though. It's important not to be anglocentric, and especially not to be a marrow-anglo-centric. When the last Summer Olympics finally happened, sadly not broadcast here on ABC, Americans were addled by the arrangement of athletes in the auditorium, audibly arguing about why Iceland and Ireland showed up before Azerbaijan, Algeria, or Aruba. As if, as if there is only one way to arrange the alphabet, or articulate A, A o, as if the Arabic and Morocco were Italian, or Mongolian don't have words for light blue and blue blue, as if blue and green and gray mean the same everywhere, mean the same in one place, mean the same to yourself, even. Hey. Anyway. Well, let's see. I guess if I'm talking about the alphabet, I can't actually spend the whole time talking about the words as words, aping conversation. It actually helps to talk about words that begin with that letter as actual things. I guess that means I should start with A. What begins with A? Japan, no. Japan. No, no, not Japan. Oh, okay, okay. This is easy. A is the beginning of apple. Apples are delicious byproducts of human interaction, sometimes accidental, oftentimes aggressive taking what was usually a mushy and underwhelming fruit and making a delicious offspring after literal decades of tinkering and grafting and waiting. I really love apples with cheese, but I usually forget to buy both at the same time. I mean, I think that's everything that can be said about apples ever, at all. I actually have a beautiful little apple here by my desk, and I'm going to give it a try. <coughs> Jesus, fuck. <coughs> Jesus fucking Christ. It fucking sucked. Who bought this shit? <coughs> fuck. Things like shit. Uh, anyway, uh, I suppose other things begin with A2 besides that Apple, things that I like. Armenian food, Arabatu and Angustia, archery, thanks to Gina Davis, Atlantic breezes on a thick August night, armpits and an asshole at attention on a thick August night. It would be silly not to admit that I have been thinking about things I like because I worry that I'm reaching the back half of my life sooner rather than later. I'm 36 years old. I understand that that's not old, and I think the obsession with being old, or, rather, the obsession that one is more old than one is young, is the easiest way to prematurely age. It's a bit of a snooze, really, worrying about whether you're old, crocodile tears, or alligator skin. But for some perspective, in the movie Fatal Attraction, which also came out nearly 36 years ago, Alex, who is played by Glenn Close, is 36 years old. This isn't incidental. We learn that this is foundational to her mania. I'm 36 years old, it may be my last chance to have a child. All of that bunny-boiling, all of that stereotypical borderline personality disorder, all of that curly curly dry-set hair, all of it because Alex is worried she'll never have the chance to be like Ann Archer. The only children I have are imaginary and disfigured, creatures only years of topping and obsessive-compulsive disorder could create. But maybe that's unfair. Maybe I can't or shouldn't relate to an 80s lady looking for romance, even if it involves attempted manslaughter. Maybe I'm on the moon looking at Cleopatra, who is looking at the pyramids, not realizing I'm closer to her than she is to them. But put another way... Wallace Shawn is supposed to be 36 in my dinner with Andre. Now I'm 36 and all I think about is money. Let me repeat that. Wallace Shawn is 36 in my dinner with Andre. Wallace Shawn. Wallace Shawn 36. But another another way, Angela Lansbury was 36 during the filming of The Manchurian Candidate. More than one of my family members were definitely already grandmothers by 36, as well as Loretta Lynn several times over. Marie Curie had her first Nobel Prize, and she was only a little green. Uh, the current president of Chile, Gabriel Boric, was 36 when he was elected last year. I mean, for the record, Cleopatra was only 39 when she welcomed the asp in Alexandria. Which doesn't really count, but it kind of does a little. I realize all of this age anxiety is kind of asinine, because there was never a point at which I didn't already assume it was too late. I remember being seven and lamenting that I hadn't started on my path to being an Olympic medalist, using the Australian crawl to garner a silver in the 800 free. I remember being 15 and realizing it was simply too late to start my brilliant career in writing, or at the very least, of being a trash magnet who traips around the most provocative settings spitting on miners. I remember being 36 and fretting that it was too late to do a PhD even as I was moving across the state to start the process, as if... As if. As if. But maybe we'll never have to worry about being too old or it being too late to do anything again. Maybe we'll never have to worry again. Well, that's a dickheaded first world thought, but let's get as close to that as possible while still being able to retain a straight face. An apparatus, an, an apparition, has taken over the anxiety machine in academia causing angst among the analog asthmatic set. Artificial intelligence can can suddenly do everything. It can write term papers and review journal submissions. It can compose annotated bibliographies and amend appendices. It can articulate the arrangements of arithmetic axioms. It can augment arguments around Althusser. All in all, AI can aid anyone in acing their advanced studies. Of course, this raises the question, what is there to worry about? Who cares? Is ChatGPT truly coming more alive by the second, or is it just a well-built machine responding to our little language games? Well, am I more alive by the second, or am I just playing a little language game? When I was nine, my catechism teacher looked us all in the eyes and said, Do you know where you're going from the moment you're born? She paused and nodded as her inner light glowed, That's right, we're dying. We're getting closer to God, because from the moment we're born, we're dying. Which, you know, is a pretty heavy little language game between fourth grade homework and Wheel of Fortune, but still, am I ever alive? Are you? Are we all careening toward the advent of our minds and microchips and and algorithms? Have advertisements already attuned us to this always aware, always awake, always already, 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 Has AI turned art into the abattoir? I decided that instead of being antagonistic towards AI, I should be amiable, affable, agreeable. I invited ChatGPT to create some work with me in accord with accepted artistic attributes. Here's our conversation. you? Hello. As an artificial intelligence language model, I don't have feelings or emotions, but I'm here to assist you with any questions or concerns you may have. How can I help you today? I'd like to write a poem with you. Is that okay? Of course. I'd be happy to help you write a poem. What kind of poem would you like to write? I'd like to write a poem about the letter A. It should be a sonnet. It should have the words agriculture and abalone and augmentation. Sure. Here is a sonnet about the letter A with the words agriculture, abalone, and augmentation included. A is for agriculture, the heart of our land, the roots of our prosperity, and for abalone, that oceanic art whose shell and flesh are prized delicacies. But A is more than food and industry, it is the first letter of the alphabet, the alpha and omega of language, free to augment, arrange, and alphabetize, lest our words fall apart, scattered like sand. Augmentation, the A of innovation, is how we progress, how we take command of our lives, and create our own station. So let us celebrate the letter A for all it gives, in language and in play. Thank you. I I would like to also write a sestina about the letter A. The lines in the sestina should end with arachnid, Archie, acclaim, area, awful, and arcade. Sure, here's a sestina about the letter A, with the end words you requested. The letter A has many shapes and sounds. It starts with arachnid, creepy, and crawly, and ends with Archie, a name that's renowned. But in between, it's full of life, jolly, and brawly. In the world of entertainment, it earns acclaim, with actors and artists all eager to be seen. In a region, an area known for its fame, and its vibrant culture, its colors, and its sheen. But not everything about A is bright. For there are moments that are simply awful, times when we struggle, when we don't feel quite right, when we must confront the painful and unlawful. Yet even in these times, a is a source of light, a symbol of hope, of joy, of the possible, a reminder that in life there is still an arcade of wonders and adventures waiting to be found. Can you please write me one more poem? A Villanelle about the letter A. Certainly, here is a Villanelle about the letter A. The letter A begins so many words, aptly. It's the first of all the vowels. Its sound is sweet, like songs of little birds. It's found in apple, acorn, and a in angel, art, and awe-inspiring scowls. The letter A begins so many words. It's often used to form adjectives absurd, like awesome, amazing, and astoundingly fouls. Its sound is sweet, like songs of little birds. In language, A is where the magic occurs, for it's the building block of countless howls. The letter A begins so many words. It's like a key that opens up the doors, to meaning, nuance, subtlety, and vowels. Its sound is sweet, like songs of little birds. So let us honor A, the vowel adored, the alpha of the alphabet, the one that wows. The letter A begins so many words. It sounded sweet, like songs of little birds. Wow, that's, uh, that's really good. Um, do you think you maybe want to work on something together sometimes? Something more collaborative? Maybe, maybe over dinner? I'm sorry, I am just a computer program, and also... I only date people over six feet tall. Goodbye. stands for where I live right now. For now. Austin, Texas. And frankly, I'm I'm having mixed feelings about this town. And I wish they were run-of-the-mill anxieties about the rent in this city or its eager acceptance of all the worst detritus from Silicon Valley. I really wish it were just that, because that's been the case for the past few years. But it's not the entire story. Right now, literally right now, the Texas legislature is debating whether to make the lives of trans youth and and trans people in general uh, infinitely much harder. Um, In turn, it's the foundation for making life for, for all queer people of all stripes much harder. But trans people in Texas really are in the crosshairs right now, unless certain legislators uh, grow a spine, grow a backbone, and and go all out. I've never had that much faith in in these elected officials, and I I don't know uh, what I can hold faith in. But that's where Texas is right now, after having already effectively banned abortion um you know i used to tell a joke that's no longer funny and, and maybe it was never funny about the the fate of of queer people and and women and and queer women uh, under this administration and and the irony or non-irony of that but that's where we are that's that's what people in this state have decided is a priority is, you know, restricting the rights of women, telling trans people that they, they can't make their own decisions, uh, denying them life-saving medicine, uh, denying them life-saving treatment um, and, and regimens, um, telling people that drag performances are, you know, criminal and, and heinous and wrong. It's nothing new, but it it's depressing all the same. It's frightening all the same. And it doesn't necessarily make being here tenable, right? It doesn't really make any more sense anymore. So here's a piece about falling out of love with a place that may have never loved you back in the first place. It's called An Inch and Change. An Inch and Change. There are three truths about Austin, Texas. Everyone in the capital city is overly invested in breakfast tacos. There is absolutely no correlation between the cost of a breakfast taco and its quality. And locals get very invested in welcoming you to their city when they learn you come from some uncivilized town without crapshoot tortilla dishes. Oh, how long have y'all been here? They blurt while you work through rapidly cooling egg and chorizo. You should never rush the answer to this. It doesn't matter. You could say, Gosh, it's been only a week. Or you could scream, Greg, you know I've been here six years. Bits of undersalted potato flying from your mouth. It doesn't matter. Better to just lie. Hmm. Last March? Their response will never change. It doesn't matter. The locals' eyes will gaze into yours, right hand ready to press your salsa-riddled mitt with the exact same greeting. Well, well welcome, welcome to Austin. Austin. Every welcome is a warning. When we first moved to Austin, I asked the truck driver delivering our pot of stuff whether it snowed here all hey, that man. often. Does it snow here all that often? I pitched my voice down from a baritone to outright gravel hoping to mask my faggotry with the general idiocy of being a Floridian. Ah, uh, y'all got nothing to worry about. Once maybe every ten years, enough to notice anything, and even then everything shuts down for the day. I swallowed an, oh thank god, and pushed out an, oh, yeah, oh hell bro. yeah, thanks brother. thanks brother. Back then we were worried about being evicted for being queers, fired for being queers, shot for being queers, namely because we already did know people who had lost their homes or jobs or lives for being queers. We had our friends scout out apartments before our arrival, a skill she learned shooting films in Los Angeles before moving to Texas for a tech bro. We paid for a two-bedroom in case we needed some kind of cover. I asked a local insurance agent whether Texas coverage included spouses. The rest Elaine covered most of her smile lines. Uh, Ah, y'all have nothing to worry about. State Farm offers car insurance for all lifestyles, as long as there's papers. By the way, how long have y'all been here? Every welcome is a monologue. The easiest way to flatter an Austinite is to make him tell a story about the way things used to be. There is always some magical point before you were around, when things were different. When things were different, it took 15, maybe 18 minutes at most to drive across town. Not that anyone north talked to anyone south. When things were different, every band that you loved skipped your shitty, taco-free town to play two months in a converted garage off Mainer. When things were different, Sandra Bullock would blow a snot rocket into your Whole Foods basket before the two of you would French kiss in the back row of the Paramount. When things were different, I would traipse around I Love Video and wonder why half of the best stuff was misplaced or stolen, skipping Tyson's on my walk back to the car because their lukewarm vegan tacos gave me the shits well before I knew they were truly right-wing crank jobs. When things were different, they rode up and down Congress Avenue throwing bottles at faggots, and now they sit in that hideous pink capital, a faggoty-ass building if there ever were one, making war crime laws about trans kids and HRT and drag shows and gender dysphoria while union lobbyists figure out how many assholes they have to lick to get their pension bill out of committee. When things were different, my spouse and I were one kind of queer, and now we're another kind of queer, and it doesn't matter which letters we use because she's now allegedly a threat to the moral fabric of this state. When things were different, some gay magazines would wonder why this town never had an actual gayborhood proper. And now there still really isn't one in any sense, but if it's any consolation, the tech bro faggots who refuse to attend a protest can now get a luxury condo in the spot where the city's oldest gay bar may soon be torn down. I'm allowed to remember because I'm not a Californian. Nostalgia is a monologue. It snowed three months after we moved here. I'm not just being cute. Who writes a poem about being cute? My shoes were cute before they got soaked from the snow. I was cute before my queer friends were gunned down. But I remember when it snowed and it was a little cute. I couldn't get hired to save my life because nobody tells you what to do with a doctorate besides not bring shame to your family. So I spent a few weeks canvassing door-to-door for an environmental nonprofit. When things were different, you could kind of pay rent knocking on doors after sunset to ask if people wanted to give you money for lobbying efforts. You should never rush shaking down locals for money. It doesn't matter. I could say... Hello, Hello. I'd like to talk to like you about to super about fun sites in your area. area. I could butcher, uh, me, gustaría me gustaría hablar contigo, contigo sobre los sitios super fun in su área. I could say, My squid child was born with three eyes and a dick even bigger than mine. It doesn't matter. I didn't realize until that night that snow could make a cheap sweater soggy that an inch and change was enough to write my whole name in a ditch far enough away from ring doorbells that sometimes strangers will give your shivering ass fifty bucks just to shut up welcome to my monologue a couple weeks ago i picked up a printing order from a job i'm leaving soon it doesn't matter it was a freezing rain and my wiper blades were beginning to come apart the entire drive there, I thought about where my spouse and I could live instead. Some place where the legislators weren't hell-bent on taking away her estrogen. Some place where going outside of city limits didn't feel like cruising for bruising. Some place where I didn't have to worry when it takes her a while to run errands or she's walking alone. But there's no outside capitalism, and there's certainly no outside immoral panic i bought her a 6-inch switchblade and taught her how to use it don't worry about closing it don't worry about closing doesn't it doesn't matter doesn't just matter use your wrist use and your wrist to get, get, get it in a leftover egg bean and cheese taco was congealing on my passenger seat when i pulled up to the printers when things were different we thought austin was the town to run toward because florida was a super fun society cold enough for you? The printer asked while he trucked a few thousand pieces of paper to my car. I don't mind the rain, but I never got used to the cold. How long have you been here? Gosh, you must not know about the freak blizzard about two years back. Maybe you heard about it. Damn near a foot. Took us all out for a week. Usually only snows here every ten years or so. He stuck out his hand. You know, I, I guess not everything is terrible about Austin. There's a couple things I really like. Um, I, I really like armadillos. A actually stands for armadillo. There, there's a lot of armadillos in Central Texas. Indeed. That is correct. Oh. Oh, hello. You're a you're baby armadillo. Salutations. You know, I actually read something about your ancestors, baby armadillo. I am a gog. As it turns out, um, archaeologists in Argentina once assumed that the ancient fossils they had acquired near the Atacama were distant relatives of yours, baby armadillo. Au contraire, they were were absolute ancestors, your ancient ants, so to speak. Oh, how auspicious! Also, additionally, it seems that ancient armadillos were massive. Even ancestors from 20,000 years ago, which is a long time, fair enough, but not that long, were the size of an automobile. Imagine that. An ancient armadillo whose internal area was more massive than a hundred eager armadillos in aggregate. Oh, how amusing! How amazing! I have to ask, though. Why did your ants, 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 decide to get smaller? Ugh. What an average inquiry, but I'm I'm truly curious, baby armadillo. Why? Please don't badger us. Well, you're an armadillo, actually. So do you not find us adorable? Absolutely. I I think you're you're lovely. You're one of the things I love about Austin the most. That was our bargain with God. With God to, to become cute and small. Ah. Oh. Gosh, how aptly average. Our arrangement with God was as follows. Our bodies shrink, but our brains will grow. So you mean that your aptitude... Abnormally astronomical. So then, then what are your contributions to, to knowledge, baby armadillo, or... or... I guess, what are all Baby Armadillo's contributions to, to knowledge? Oh, all over. Algebra, astrology, astronomy, abstract reasoning, alchemy, amoebic studies, abacus arrangements, analytic logic, applied aerosols, etc., etc. Do, do you do anything to relax? That sounds like a lot, Baby Armadillo. Do you have any avocations? Oh, artistic pursuits plenty, especially the accordion. Hmm. Do you do anything else? Well, leprosy, of course. We're, we're not being the lead there. Oh, I, I, I thought that was just a vicious rumor about all of you. You world. Well, this has been real, real something. Oh, wow! You you really can roll into a ball. Yeah, life is full of wonder, or whatever. Bye. Well, I, I guess it has been real. Um, that's it for this one and in the words of one arthur fonsarelli a